That's right. You're listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast. The alternative underground dive bar fan podcast of the Seattle Mariners. Brought to you by OB City Entertainment. And now, the host of the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast, Myron Sutner. What up? This is episode nine of the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast, the underground alternative down in the ditches, in the shadows, secret society, speakeasy, dive bar style podcast. If you know, you know, you're here. If this is your first time here, welcome. There's eight other episodes prior to this or nine if you're counting the dress rehearsal episode. You can go check those out on any of the major platforms or on our YouTube page that should be launching today or tomorrow. Our Instagram page is up and flowing. Facebook, Twitter, TikTok coming very, very soon. Um, The Mariners have a day off today which they need. They've had a rough couple of weeks. They're traveling. They're going to Queens. Hopefully they're, you know, relaxing, maybe going to the botanical gardens out there in Queens. Um, Hopefully they're going to turn this thing around soon. But guess what? We're still going to be here no matter what happens this season. But I truly feel like they're going to turn it around. So does my grandma, my grandma Norma, 91-year-old grandma Norma. She has some strong opinions about how the Mariners are playing and what they could do. I briefly added that here at the beginning of the episode. Um, But this episode really uh, focuses on um, the trade between the Mariners and the Phillies after the 2018 season, which sent at the time Mariners all-star Gene Segura to Philadelphia for J.P. Crawford. Um, We kind of look at it through the Philadelphia lens through an article on... um, the Philadelphia Inquirer. We dive into that. I'm forgetting the author's name right now, but we cited in the episode. I mean, come on. I can be professional at times. And uh, yeah, that's basically what we do here in today's episode. I'm kind of rushing through this intro right now because I'm at the mercy of the leaf blower, you know, uh, out there. The, the landscaping king is here with his leaf blower. So you know, I need to bow down to him and, uh, you know, he's really the one that's running the world right now when it comes to this podcast is that leaf blower guy. Anyways, if you like what you've been seeing, please like subscribe to the episode. You subscribe to the episode. That means the episodes get automatically, you know, sent to you or they download to you. There's only two week, you know, so it's not that annoying. And also if you really like the show, please rate it. Um, or, you know, Write something. Write something nice, please. But if you don't have anything nice to say, you know, go ahead and write it too. I'll find a way to fucking delete it. Anyways, I'm going to get out of the way. Check it out. This is oh, And before I do kick it over here, I do have to give a shout out to Ned in Long Beach who uh, realized last episode uh, right away because he downloads these episodes and he subscribed that there were some audio issues i went and uh changed the file um going forward we hope not to have those mistakes but you know shit happens thanks again to ned in long beach anyways check it out this is episode nine of the rye bread and mustard mariners podcast
Hey, Grandma. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi. You kind of sound far away. It sounds like I'm so far what away. That ball game today. What? The ball game today. Oh, I, I know. Though they didn't hit again. God, I mean, those guys usually can get up there and hit it. Myron, it's just like they're on uh, batting practice or something with these. These, I mean, these other teams. You know what? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just disgusting. Just a minute, Myron. I want to turn this, trying to turn this TV down. Yeah. It only, it only works when it wants to. Okay. Uh, so I mean, I don't understand why. I mean, they're good hitters, but geez, look at we get the bases loaded, we get two on, or we get, you know, and then we can't get them in. I know. It's but, frustrating. But I'm not going to give up on them because I like them, you know. No, I know. Hold on, I got. I was going to ask you: Do they play? They don't play tomorrow, do they? No, they got the day. Well, today. They, no, they got the day well, off today, and then I mean tomorrow today, and they then they play. They play this weekend in Queens against the Mets, and then they play. Yeah. Then they have to go to Toronto, and then they go have to go to Boston, and then they right. come back to Seattle. So they're gone nine games, right? Nine games, yeah. So tomorrow's a travel day. Yep. So they'll be back on Friday. They'll be I mean, back they'll playing. Be yeah, they'll they'll be back on TV on Friday. Yeah, and will it be like at six thirty or be earlier? It'll probably be earlier because they're in the East Coast. Like four thirty or something. Yep. Like. Well, hopefully they'll hit better when they're on the road. Maybe the pressure won't be there anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. There. Because, God, I mean, the the ones that you think would hit would hit, but sometimes, you know, maybe their eyes is just the way they hit a bad ball. Yeah. Well, they've just had a lot of bad luck. There's a couple of people that are injured that are back. J.P. Crawford was back now. Yeah. He was back to, today. See, and then Gwen came and took me to lunch. But when, by the time we got back, I didn't get in the game until the seventh inning. So. Oh, yeah. He, the pitcher made one mistake. He loaded up the bases, and then he made one mistake, and they got four runs, and then the Mariners couldn't put together, you know, any offense no. after that. Well, don't you think sometimes the manager, I think he waits a little long with that pitcher to take him out. <laughs> sometimes. I mean, you know, I, I know we haven't got a lot more, but I mean, you know. <laughs> After you load the bases and walk one in, you're going to take the pitcher out. <laughs> yeah, you got to take the pitcher out. Sometimes you take them out too early and you put somebody in, though, that... that yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I know it's a hard, deci- hard decision as, as, the, as the other coach, you know. Yeah. I could just be sitting next to him at a ball game. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you'll be up in a couple of weeks then, huh? Yep, I'll be back for the uh, Oakland, the end of the Oakland series, and I'll be there for the Houston series. But I got to go record with my friend, but I wanted to call you back first. All right, hi. All right, I'll call you I later. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. As you can see, my grandma's not happy with the hitting Hanno. Hey, a uh, couple comments about grandma. One, She's podcast gold. That was awesome. 
two. She's right. They're not hitting. And, um, you know, like you said, uh, Gilbert, you know, maybe left him too long, but it's hard to say. But he pitched well after that, you know. I'm going to have to disagree with my grandma, and I don't understand if she's so old school. Why she wants these pitchers to be yanked out of there early. Like back in her day when my grandpa was playing, they would throw like 300 pitches. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But she doesn't like base on balls and loading them up and walking them in. And she was uh, frustrated by that. She is. And she doesn't like, um, you know, the other thing I have to agree, I don't like when we, we're getting guys on base. That's where I just don't, I have a problem with this whole like walk and get everybody on, you know, philosophy that of money ball of, of, that this is the way it works because you could get people on base, but if you can't knock them in, what all we're doing is making the game longer. It's not making it more exciting. Yeah, I agree. And with the way the umpiring has been, it's been terrible. And getting uh, balls that are called strikes, you know, it's just putting guys behind the eight ball, oh and two quicker than can be. And uh, yeah, but I, I love grandma. Tell grandma games on at four tomorrow. Yeah, she was. That's my grandma Norma, who is not happy about the Apple TV. She wants it on Root Sports. No, nothing crazy. She just wants, you know, she wants to be, you know, watch the games on Root Sports. She wants to see, you know, Dave Sims. She wants to see Goldsmith. She, she wants to see Blowers. And, you know, she even wants to see Angie. What's her name? Angie Men. How do you say her name? Angie Menting. She also wants to see Angie Menting and Ryan Roland Smith pregame. Speaking of the pregame today, <laughs> I don't know if this is me or am I just, am I looking into this? Was Angie uh, talking a little bit too much about Ryan Roland Smith's tight pants today? I did notice that. She did emphasize tight pants on the second go around when it came back to him to uh, after he did that little scenario of uh, him pitching back in New York. Yeah, I saw, I saw it in the pregame, and then they went with it again, and uh, she looked like she was getting a little flustered there. Hey, I'm okay with it. I know other men uh, analysts have probably said this to their uh, female correspondents a billion times over the years, so it was kind of funny to watch a little bit of a reversal there. But, I mean, this was a little steamy for a little daytime game, right? Yeah, so you're telling me I only saw the post-game portion. You told me this was the, it happened earlier on in the pre-game show as well? Yes, and it was even longer. It's like they almost, they did this, she did this bit, or she, you know, she put together this bit, he reacted, it was kind of awkward, and somebody, you know, obviously their producer was like, keep that, let's do it again in the post-game, but I mean... It was a little bit steamy. It was steamier than uh, you know, uh, you know, Days of Our Lives or General Hospital in the middle of the day. It was a little, a little too hot for daytime TV, if you ask me. But uh, yeah, that was. I'm glad, glad somebody else saw that today. I was like, this is, this is uh, a bit much for Wednesday. It's putting, I guess, it's putting the hump and hump day here. With the Mariners <laughs> the pregame. Yeah. 
Jack Roberts, remember, you promised me you'd stay calm tonight and not talk business. I can't help it with my low prices and huge selection. Locations in Renton, Seattle, Everett, and the Superstore in Linwood. Jack, people are starting to stare. Zero down with low payments, 90 days, same as cash oh. or bank cards. Here we go again. Magic Chef washers and dryers, microwaves and refrigerators, Magic Chef dishwashers and ranges, all in unbelievable savings. I won't be undersold. So anyways, uh, we just went right into it, got hot this episode. We uh, listened to my grandma uh, there, Norma, what she had to say about the Mariners hitting. Um, I agree <laughs> I agree with her. The hitting is not good, and the people that should be hitting aren't hitting. But no, we're not giving up on them. We're frustrated. It's annoying. And it doesn't help when the pitchers that are our lockdown pitchers so far this season get a little knocked around but that's just gonna happen but it does suck it when they go down and it's a three or four run deficit halfway through the game where you're just going well that's it yeah no doubt I mean I was kind of laying low and kind of bummed about the Mariners and you know I'm looking up things and starting to see that Sonics were in the playoffs um, back in 2005 and the Mariners still haven't been since 2001. That yeah. was a bummer. Yeah, you know? that is. So the team, a team that hasn't played here in 13 or 14 years has been to the playoffs more recently than the Mariners. Exactly. And then after listening to Grandma and saying, I'm still pulling for him, that got me ripped. I was like, you know what, Grandma, me too. I'm going to still pull for him. I mean, I never would not pull for him, but... It raised my uh, spirits quite a bit. Yeah. Well, let's get let's now. I'm going to knock you down a peg. Let's talk about the home. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the home stand really quick here. I'll break it down to me really quick, not game by game. It's pretty depressing. Um, yeah. We went what two and five on a seven game home stand after going two and seven on a nine game road trip after taking care of business in in on our first home stand. So this was. You know, not the trajectory we were seeing and feeling two weeks ago when we recorded. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and then uh, the first game in the series against Philadelphia, we get blank. Second game, Robbie Ray pitched, looked pretty good, struggled a little bit, but we got the win, close win. And then today, one bad pitch from uh, Logan Gilbert tossed us. And like you said, we haven't been hitting. We get down by four runs or more. We can't come back, at least not right now. Stranding a lot of runners in scoring position when we when we get them there. We 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 strand them. It's you know, it's not looking good for this uh road trip, you know, going into, you know, obviously we just got done playing the Philly. We're playing some more NL teams. We're going directly to the Mets. We'll get into that a little bit later, but you know, the Mets are, what, playing the best baseball in all of baseball right now, and we're hobbling in there maybe playing some of the worst baseball in baseball. Something's got to give, right? Yeah, let's hope we turn around, but uh, looking forward to it, it doesn't look good for us. But, you know, with all of our guys that aren't hitting well, and I can name quite a few of them, hopefully they can turn it around. 
As far as this homestand goes, I'm glad to see it come to a close. Hopefully they can just get out on the road and, you know, right themselves. They have not played good on the road this year. They've also had a lot of bad luck this year. But it's getting to this point where we can't sit around and just say, it's going to come around, it's going to come around. It needs to start coming around right now. We're already a month into the season. And, you know, it can get away with you really – it can get – you know, taken away from you pretty quick and hard to recover if you dig yourself too big of a hole. Don't you agree? Especially with the teams that we are going to be competing for, not only in our division, but for a wild card. Even though there are extra spots, there are other teams that, you know, got better in the offseason, just like we thought the Mariners did. Oh, no doubt. Um, you know, we've had some injuries. They've been a bugaboo. But, uh, you know, other teams go through that too. But, seems like it's our year for it so far but the hardest part for me so far is the last two games is losing when your starters uh, knock out 10 and nine guys respectively striking them out so the bats are a big deal for me they got to wake up yeah it really sucks that like you know years down the road maybe this pitcher never pitches has another 10 strikeout performance and they'll be like his career high was a 10 strikeout performance when he lost you know, four to two in a game or something like that. You know, that just kind of sucks. It doesn't make sense, right? When you look down the down the scorecard and you or the when you look in the box car, box car, box car, alehouse shout out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you look in the box score and you see, you know, ten, you know, strikeouts on a pitcher's line, you would, you know, nine times out of ten expect a win, wouldn't you? Or a no decision at the worst, right? Oh, totally. I mean, it just seems like that's been the uh, the the mantra of the Mariners, you know, getting these guys going pretty good, but, you know, striking out a lot of guys and not getting the win to show for it yes. for a long time. Many years has been the case. Many. It's been many years, my friend. <laughs> it's been many, many a years. Um, <laughs> but we have been hit with the injury bug at some really bad times. I don't feel like... First of all, let's start with the COVID people. I don't feel like Seawald, uh, Terenz, and definitely Hanniger never seem to really recover fully from this COVID injury uh, by getting on the list. I mean, you know, both Terenz and Seawald just haven't been themselves. And maybe not so much with Terenz because he wasn't playing every day, but Seawald just doesn't look... Doesn't look the same. I don't know if it's coincidence, but then I was reading the article by uh, Ryan Divish about Hanniger's injury that, wow, we're talking, this can be (laughs) until the after the All-Star break, and it is a high ankle sprain. What does that have to do with COVID? I was reading in that article. You read the same article, right, Hannah, where it seems like he was maybe, Hanniger was pointing the finger at, you know, uh, COVID fatigue of why he sprained his ankle. Were, yeah, were, you, getting, took, were you getting that out of that article too? Yeah, I got a li- definitely. I mean, he kind of said where he thought he was back and healthy, but he had talked to some other guys that had gotten COVID that came back and they didn't feel quite right after two weeks. But I mean, what it is, bones get weak or something. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, it definitely, he kind of implied that it could have, um, affected him getting injured, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had COVID twice, and uh, you know, it kept me out of the gym 
you know, for weeks after actually had nothing to do with COVID just being, uh, just pure lazy, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do find some, some truth in that. I know that we're going to get some people that are on either side of the crazy tree here about whether, <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not here to talk about if COVID's real or fake. Um, but, uh, I am pulling up the Seattle times article right now and, we're going to pause for a second. There may be no greater thrill in sports than the crack of a bat and the roar of a crowd as a small cowhide-covered ball hurtles a distant fence. It's baseball. Seattle Mariners baseball in the kingdom. And there is no greater enjoyment than being there. The game starts at 7.35 and not a moment before because, as the Mariners have always said, there will be no game before it's time. I mean, if we go and we, we look up Ryan Divish's article, if you're listening along, you know, at your desk or wherever, you know, we just pulled us up. The article is uh, on the Seattle Times. It is Mitch Hanniger. The title is Mitch Hanniger's Return to the Mariners from High Ankle Sprain. Going to be a little while. They didn't really, I they didn't put too much, uh, too much pressure on the title there, <laughs> but it is, I mean, it is pretty clear. So it says right here in the article, if you didn't know exactly when this injury happened, Hanniger suffered the injury on April 29th. So typically, what you've heard too, right, it's a 10-week recovery, sometimes 12 weeks, which would put it, yes, after the All-Star break, if you factor in, you know, rehabilitation and, you know, to get them game ready and stuff like this, it's kind of a wait and see with these high ankle sprains. Isn't that what you've, you've heard about this too, Hannah? Yeah. And I mean, I sprained my ankle playing back in the day. I mean, it just seemed like a really long time for something like that to heal, but you know, I'm not him. And, you know, so it's, it's just hard to uh, fathom, but it is what it is, you know? Yeah, he's never had an ankle injury before, so at least this isn't something that's just compounding on something else. He just, uh, you know, he took a swing in the box and came down kind of, right? It was this, he took a weird swing in the box that he missed the pitch and felt some discomfort, and then I think the very next pitch he hit a single, and on the way down to first is really where it started to, uh, really bite at him. Yeah, I mean, he said in that article that he felt like he broke it. It was that painful. Which yeah, is, he said, quote, I honestly thought I broke my leg. You're right. Yeah, so in the end, like you said, he goes on to talk about, oh, he just recovered from COVID. Um, he spent a few days getting ready after getting passing the COVID protocol. And he still was kind of stuffy in his nose, but didn't feel any bad other effects from COVID. And then he said in the article um, that he kind of had a kind of thought that that could have contributed to it possibly. Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah, it says here, he says this, quote, It's difficult to judge where I was in terms of like balance and stuff like that because my body felt good said, I felt strong for a while. I was beating myself up because I should know better not to come back early. But at the same time, everything else made sense. Physically, I felt good other than the pressure in my head and nose. But you just think it's a sickness and you'll be fine. 
But that also could have played with balance and this and that and compensating is basically what he's saying. So I think yeah, he, so- I think he's going out he's going out quite on a ledge to you know find something else where it's I feel like just a freak thing that happened personally. Yeah, I agree. But it's funny that he did mention that. You know. Oh yeah, this is gonna get everybody stirred up on either side. <laughs> it's, it's like they're just like, you want to know what the team's not playing? There's nothing important to talk about. What did he say? Did he say this ankle injury came from COVID? Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. You know. Boom. You know. Fox News people are gonna jump on it. Uh, then the other people are gonna jump on them. But it's gonna go back and forth. This thing is gonna spiral out of control. It is going to make. The Will Smith, Chris Rock thing go away. This is going to be bigger than the wars. He is blaming COVID for his ankle injury. This is a controversy waiting to happen. No, I just think I I get what he's saying going, hey, I might have came back. I might have been winded. Maybe I, you know, was compensating for something and this happened, which that's how injuries happen. I agree with that. He's not he's not saying that that's to blame, but he's saying that it could have contributed to it somehow, some way. So, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what, it needs to be a COVID-related injury. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. Moving on to other, uh, you know, notable injury things really quick. Kyle Lewis is hitting like Kyle Lewis in AAA. I know that you have told me and sent me articles that Depoto and Service and everybody else says that he is going to stay down there for the maximum time, which is 20 days to do treatment, play games, basically to do his, you know, three to four weeks of spring training time. But that being said, that is so that he can play in the field and DH. It seems like that's what's going on. But also, these things were happening and being said days ago, and now the Mariners are in a tight situation with not scoring any runs and going to the East Coast to play some of the better teams. You know, even the Red Sox can turn it around at any time. They still have a good team. They're they're in the same boat with us right now. They're scuffling. Do you see Lewis getting called up to DH? prior to these 20 days? Well, I, I don't think they're going to need him a DH in New York because it's the National League. I'm just teasing. I know the National League doesn't have a DH I was about to go I, fucking off on you. <laughs> I know. Um, but seriously, um, I think he'll stay down there if, he, if they can hold, hold on to it and keep him down there for 20 days. They want to make sure that he can play back-to-back games three days in a row without any trouble. Uh, it's still early. I know it's hard to believe. We could be 10 games under 500 by the time they come back. 
And yeah, it's panic time, even before Memorial Day. But, you know, I also believe after watching all of our hitters struggle, our DHs, Kelnick, Kelnick today came off the bench, took two straight fastballs uh, with a count one and one to strike out looking. I mean, he looks a little bit lost. So, you know, why not? Why not bring him up? So I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm starting to call for it. I'm starting to call for it, too, at DH, because it doesn't mean he has to play every single day. You could DH him on Friday and DH him on Saturday. You don't have to DH him Saturday night and have him turn around and play a Sunday game. I'm just saying, if there's some tough lefties in there, why go with what we're we're doing right here? I'm ready for Kyle Lewis. I think he's a special player. I want to get his jersey. Get back up here, Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to come out guns a-blazing, but, you know, let's say he does get kind of hot. Maybe that'll help Lee. You know, they say hitting contagious. Maybe that'll wake up the rest of the Mariner bats. I mean, that's what's killing us right now. Like you said, runners are getting on base via the walk or some – or in, like, game two in that Philadelphia game, we uh, squeaked out some really hard line drives, you know, just getting a bunch of infield hits. But, uh, yeah, let's let's try it out. Let's get them up here. Mariner catcher Mark Hill doesn't know we have hidden cameras. You guys ain't got no hidden cameras around here, do you? Oh, no, no. We just wanted to ask you about these two baseballs. Which one do you think is the whiter of the two, Mark? Well, I would say this one. It's all brand new and white. You picked this one here. Do you know which right. ball you just picked, Mark? You picked the Mariner's ball. No, you're kidding me. That's right. You got to be kidding. No. Ball night is Saturday, August 16th at the Kingdom. Every kid 14 and under gets a new baseball free. I like this baseball. I would come to ball night. Since we just played Philly and we were thinking about something, you know, that correlates with Philly, I think, like, if we were going to talk about anything... I think it would be definitely that for our audience that is, you know, following the Mariners now or catching up on the Mariners now and falling in love with the play of J.P. Crawford, which we all are, right? Isn't he just such an essential Mariners and a a great piece that we're building around? Yeah, I've definitely warmed up to him. I mean, he wasn't, I wasn't too gung-ho about him early on. Uh, He always played pretty solid defense, but He's turned into a real leader and uh, a great, solid major leaguer for us. Yeah, he's got the swag. He's got the look. Look, he's from Long Beach. I'm always going to have a soft spot for people from Long Beach, California. I spent, you know, my my 20s in Long Beach, California. Uh, J.P. Crawford is from the area. He's had a lot of buzz. Uh, I'm happy that he's, you know, a Mariner. But at the time the trade went down, I was definitely a big Gene Segura fan. And that is who he was traded for. I like Gene Segura. I know that he got into some fights and didn't get along with D. Gordon and some of his other teammates. I know he was like one of Cano's guys. But this is a lot of stuff that's come out since he was there. When he got traded, I didn't understand because he was a hitting machine. And also, he threw me a baseball at an Oakland A's game in Oakland. But look, I have a soft spot in my heart for people, players specifically, that throw me a ball, specifically a game ball from the game. Yes, Gene Sakura. Gene Sakura did this in Oakland. Made a great play, threw the ball across to Robinson Cano. Cano threw it back to him. He was jogging in, and he tossed me the ball. And I have all of this on 
footage so you can see that I didn't cut off a bunch of kids. No, he looked right at me and tossed the ball to me. Was I harassing him for, you know, a few innings or the game before? That's not important. That's not on the footage. Anyways, I got the footage. I put it on my Instagram. I got some good likes. I got some good comments. It was a it was a success all around, and I'm sure uh, you know one day possibly Major League Baseball will be contacting me for this footage because to me this is MLB history at its finest. Anyways, with that being said. Gene's always going to be on my good list, no matter what. He also torched the Mariners here in this last series. Uh, but, again, this is, how, this is the person that we traded for J.P. Crawford. I know there was more to this than just these two. But the Philadelphia Inquirer this week wrote an article titled, J.P. Crawford for Gene Segura. Reassessing the Phillies Mariners trade four years later. Man, that's been a quick four years. I believe, yes, they traded him at the end of the 2018 season. So I saw this article. I saw this clickbait. Sound interesting. I told Hanno about it. He goes, let's read. Well, Philadelphia Inquirer, you have to join their paper to read. You have to join their publication to read their. Um, content so yeah i paid for this article to read i'm also gonna quickly go and probably cancel after this because i don't give a fuck about philly sports but just for the sake of this i just did this right now so you want to check out this article hannah yeah i i am fascinated by it i mean i at the time like you wasn't a wasn't uh too fond of the trade. I was a big uh, Mean Gene, the hitting machine fan. I thought he was a good player, solid at short, could hit the ball. I didn't know too much about J.P. Crawford. I knew he was an up-and-coming player, kind of bounced up and down with them, was a high, high draft pick. So I'm excited to learn more on the Philadelphia take of how the trade went down and where they're at with it right now. Okay, well, so my password and code and everything has been accepted i am now a philadelphia inquirer uh subscription owner and remember you can't score any runs unless you get some hits all right now let's get a hitter up there you kid what's your name ruth sir ruth ruth what george herman ruth sir but my friends call me babe Babe, another babe, Ruth. Well, step up to the plate, babe, and maybe swat out a few. Hey, Turk, chuck a few into the next babe, Ruth. When you've got a well-known name, people expect a lot. You don't fool around. We've got a beer named after the city that means beer. Old Milwaukee. It's a tough name to live up to, but Old Milwaukee is one of the fastest-growing major beers in the country. Tell me, babe, you don't happen to know any kids named Garrick, do you? Old Milwaukee beer tastes as great as its name. This article is by Scott Lauber. Seattle. It took a few years, but J.P. Crawford turned out to be mostly what the Phillies thought he was. Stellar defense at shortstop with on-base skills and leadership qualities in the clubhouse. 
Okay, so remind us why they traded him four years ago. I like the start of that article. <laughs> that yeah. seems like it's going in the Mariners' direction. And it's nice to hear them saying exactly what we know now at JP. Yes. And again, I've not looked at this article at all. I'm just reading it here. It's a fair question. One, that should be explored as the Phillies open a three-game series in Seattle against Crawford's Mariners. Okay, so this was written a few days ago. It doesn't matter. They won the series. And make no mistake, the 27-year-old shortstop is the face of the Seattle club that notwithstanding the misery of 10 losses in the last 12 games, well, let's say 12 of the last 14, may be on the rise in the American League West. Oh, I'm already liking this. This article is already, you know, going in a direction. The Phillies, though, drafted Crawford with the 16th overall pick in 2013. They developed him in the minors, brought him to the big leagues in September of 17, and made him the opening day shortstop in 18, and then swapped him eight months later in a five-player deal that netted Gene Segura and exercised Carlos Santana. That's right, we got Carlos Santana, who I believe we traded for... I forgot who we traded Santana for. Segura. Yeah, I can't remember either. Me either. Oh yeah. God. Who cares? He Segura. was only here for a week anyway, I believe. Yeah. Trader Jerry got rid of him in a hurry. Yep. Segura. Oh, we traded him to uh, Carlos Santana. We traded him to uh, Cleveland, I believe. I don't know. We traded him somewhere. Anyways. Segura has been steady for the Phillies since 19, but team officials would flunk a lie detector test if they denied wanting to do a do-over with Crawford, who's batting, you know, at the time of this article, 340 with four home runs. Last season, going all the way back to last season, he's 282, 352, and a 399 hitter that ranks him 11th amongst shortstops in OPS at plus 114, nearly on par with Bo Bichette, Javier Baez, and as well, the Phillies' D.D. Gregorius. He also said, no wonder why the Mariners locked him up with a five-year, $51 million contract extension on opening day. Phillies outfielder Mickey Montauk, whom Crawford had been like his, like his older brother, said, it's awesome seeing what he's doing. I knew he could do this the whole time. There was a reason that he was a top 10 prospect in baseball. He's a stud. To see what he's doing right now is definitely not a surprise. He goes on to say that the Phillies had reasons for trading Crawford, and Crawford concede he's unsure he would have succeeded in Philadelphia where he felt the pressure to fulfill the expectations of a first-round draft pick. In the news conference last month to announce his extension, he said, getting trade, quote, getting traded was the best thing that ever happened to me. The swap really came down to timing. Multiple sources familiar with both sides of the trade recalled last week, specifically the Phillies, believed that they were poised to win and were unwilling to nature the development of a young shortstop at the same time. Hindsight tells us that they were wrong, obviously. This is a look back on how the Crawford trade came about. Going into 2018, the Phillies regarded Crawford as their future shortstop. But he missed three months of the season with a strained right forearm and broken left hand, complicating the team's internal evaluation of him. 
Earlier in the rebuilding process, say 2016, 2017, the Phillies likely would have been more patient with Crawford, but they always targeted the 2018-19 offseason with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper headlining a bumper-free agent crop as the time to pivot from rebuilding to contending. Not even at a 16-33 and 33 stretch in 18 made them rethink their timeline. And I'd agree with that because they've seen like every year in the offseason they make big moves. But at the end of the year when you go to see <laughs> where they are in the, you know, in their division, you would assume, oh, this is a playoff team. They're not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they uh, went, went after and got D.D. Gregorius, you know, the former Yankee. World Series or playoff series champion? Did they win the World Series? I don't remember. They won the World no. Series in 2008. Yeah, so never mind. But Didi Gregorius <laughs> was a was a huge factor for the Yankees playing shortstop uh, after Jeter left, and then got and then signed with the Phillies. So they thought he was their man. Yeah, you know. But uh, so yeah, I mean, you're right. The Phillies have always tried to figure this out, but they have not yet found their guy yet. So basically, they just went into a win-now upgrade and got rid of J.P. Crawford. Hey, the Mariners have done that before in the past. Adam Jones for Eric Bedard kind of rings a bell. Um, We also gave up like one of our best catchers in the 90s, Veritek, as a win-now. We also gave up uh, David Arias, a.k.a. David Ortiz in a win now scenario. So, I mean, that's a, you know, I totally understand that we've been through that misery, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I could only imagine him having eight errors in 27 games in Philadelphia, just loving playing there and being comfortable. Couldn't you? Yeah. And, and the thing is Seattle was just taking a step back. They wanted, they thought they were taking this big step forward. It did come down to timing and although they, you know, 2018, we won 89 games, you know, and Jerry decided to blow it up. I think the the Crawford trade at the time was a little puzzling because we were kind of like, wait, didn't we just extend Gene Segura and re-sign him? And he was an all-star and he seemed like somebody who could hit the ball you could easily build around. And then we, you know, traded him to, we traded him to Philly, and it 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 was very strange at the time. But now I'm very very fortunate for it. Yeah, I agree with you. Reading this article, I, what I started to realize was I'm thinking of the Mariners and the Mariners fans, and thinking about Kelnick in this situation. You know, of high prospect drafted early, struggling. Is it time we get rid of him, or if we do that? Is he then in a few years going to pan out and be a good player? Maybe even a, I want to call him a superstar, but a really good possible all-star like J.P. Crawford has become? Yeah. That's what you, I'm you thinking away about it. Yeah, that's the, that's the fear. That's the fear. That's the fear of doing something like that. We have done stuff like that. We did, Like I said, we did it with Adam Jones. We did it with David Ortiz. We did it with Veritek. You know, we did it with... Uh, What's his name? Who went Chris Taylor to the Dodgers? You know, yeah, another great point. Yeah, but that you know, sometimes you don't know. Well, anyways, general manager Jerry Depoto, who we know is known for wheeling dealing, let it be known that he was 
he would move on from Segura, Cano, Paxton, Zanino, even 57 save closer, Edwin Sugar Diaz, who we're going to see this weekend. Uh, Clentock and DePoto, though, also worked together for a few years with the LA Angels. They often talked and, you know, had a good rapport with once in each other. And then once they set their respective off-season sales, they were natural trade partners. Initial conversations between Clintock and DePoto involved Diaz. The Mariners had interests in then the Phillies pitching prospects, Sixto Sanchez, Spencer Howard, but then they were hyper-focused on Crawford. While they were talking to the Phillies, DePoto pulled off a blockbuster with the New York Mets, who we're going to be seeing this weekend. The Mariners gave up Diaz, but also unloaded Cano's enormous contract and landed Jared Kelnick. But Segura remained available, and Segura for Crawford fit both the Phillies and the Mariners' goal. Segura was owed $60 million through 2022, an increasingly rocky relationship, with, like we were saying earlier, that Seattle, after a fight with teammate D. Strange Gordon and, benching, and the benching by Scott manager Scott Service. He was an all-star in 18, and the Phillies estimated he represented a 2-3 to three win upgrade for Crawford in 2019. So it was difficult to argue when, you know, Crawford batted 214. The injuries and struggles were what were wearing on him. So, yeah, he looked like a Chris Taylor or he looked like a Kelnick or he just looked like somebody that, a Toro, right, that you're like, oh, he's a prospect, but it's just not happening fast enough. And that's pretty much how we got him, you know. And like Crawford has said, he was, you know, quote, in a really dark place during that time. You know, and he, quote, underperformed, and you try not to look at the media coverage, but like he said, it's there, it's everywhere. You quote, you see it, you see all the negativity around, and it wears on you. The Mariners took Santana and flipped him to Cleveland. You're right, 10 days later, freeing up the Phillies to to move Roy Hoskins back to first base. The Phillies also got relievers Juan Nicasio and James Pazos, who they believe would add depth to the bullpen, but didn't. <laughs> and then the team, uh, but the, um, but honestly, the trade boils down to the shortstop. Segura has been a fixture for, for Phillies and Crawford has turned into what Crawford has. You know, I think right now, you know, if you had to pick a winner on who won this trade, I think you'd have to lean towards the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, it, it, right now I would agree with you. Um, Crawford, the younger player, has more upside, has given more to the Mariners, no doubt. Um, I, I I agree that the Mariners won this trade. It's so interesting with listening to this article how so many things are intertwined by us just playing Philly, going to New York, the two trades between the Mariners and New York, and then coming back and trading to Philly, and then you saying Reese Hoskins then got moved back. Reese Hoskins had a huge series against us with three home runs. I mean, it's, what a crazy article. So in 2019, the Phillies' projection was right about Crawford, just going off of what he did. He wasn't ready to play every day at shortstop for a contending team. He batted 226. He had a 684 OPS. And the Mariners, you know, they lost 94 games that year. But then, you know, in the 2020 season, he won that gold glove, you know, even though it was only 60 games. He batted 273 and had a 715 OPS. 
And, you know, obviously he had a great season last year, and now you're looking at him this season as, you know, somebody that's got to be on the All-Star team if you were to pick teams right now. So right now, I feel like it had been a little bit of a tug-of-war going the Gene Segura way, but now I think J.P. Crawford, the J.P. Crawford trade by the Mariners is winning this scenario. I agree. I mean, like all you said, and his gold gloves and his production and being a possible all-star. I mean, looking at some of the publications, he was the best shortstop in baseball by some people for the first month of the year. So, uh, yeah, he's on the right track. And Scott Labber, who wrote this article, has reported and written about Major League Baseball in Philadelphia and Boston, and now back in Philadelphia since 2006. So check him out, Scott Lauber, L-A-U-B-E-R. Check him out on email or on Twitter or at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Yeah, so... I think I got my dollar's worth for four weeks to read this article for our podcast here. I just found this a very to be a very interesting clickbait article. I haven't seen if the Mariners have, you know, written about this article or maybe they have on 710 or uh, KJR. I just thought it was pretty interesting to look at it from the Philadelphia point of view. Yeah, it was super interesting looking at it from a different perspective with what they got and what they're seeing from afar with our player who is turning out to be what they thought. Right. So anyways, yeah, we're Sorry. running out of time here on this episode. We were going to jump into the Mets, uh, upcoming Mets series. Uh, we're just going to kind of see how that goes. Right. Instead of talking to I don't feel like going over it too much, Hannah, you know, it's just like, they need to they need to turn things around. Let's see if they do. We do have uh, some subjects on the Mets that we wanted to do a deep dive into or just talk about. You know, uh, one would be Keith Hernandez and yeah, uh, you know his career and you know he has eleven Gold Gloves. He's not in the Hall of Fame, which is weird. That's more Gold Gloves than Griffey's had. He also was part of one of or 90s pop culture's most famous sitcom, maybe sitcom of all time, Seinfeld. He's in uh, two episodes that are considered um, some of the best sitcom episodes of all time. Um, I found a story on how that all came about that I wanted to talk about. Also wanted to talk about, I want to talk about the Mets and our relationship of the age we are and what the Mets kind of have been like in our lives. Obviously, starting with like the 86 Mets. Um, also, maybe talking about Once Upon a Time in Queens documentary. You've seen that, Hannah, right? Yeah. It's a that was one. excellent. For four yeah. hours, it was a good, good yeah. time not wasted. Yeah. So, definitely, uh, if you want to, you know, prepare yourself for next episode, I would say if you have any time, watch the Once Upon a Time in Queens. Um, doc that's on ESPN plus, or, uh, if you have read the book high and tight or Kings of Queens, no, not King of Queens, the TV show, but, but, uh, Kings of one of my favorite, there you go. Kings of Queens, uh, is a audio book. I'll be breaking that down a little bit. It's about the Mets and the, specifically the 86 Mets, on the next episode. Hanno, you know what time it is. Hit me with it.
Charge.